A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Haley, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Dan. Yeah, I have had a week. You know some of my week. I, I've told you about it, and we'll actually cover... I only cover. know some? Yes, you only know some of it, because I've saved a very key part Impressive. that I wanted to... Yes, because <laughs> you normally hear all of my fun stories, yeah. or the things that are embarrassing to me, and you hear them 12 times by the time I actually talk about them on the radio, and that, you've always got to <laughs> pretend to be surprised and things like that. And so I thought I would keep one back. Now, I don't know how embarrassing... No, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Oh boy. So, yes, I'm out walking. I We got out of work a little bit early. I forget what day it was, but I got like 15 minutes early. I was yeah. out of here early, and it was so nice out. The weather was so beautiful. I decided I'm going for a walk. There's a mm-hmm. little natural area that I go. It's where I get ticks from. Yes. Right? That place. I've talked about that on the radio. <laughs> anyway, I went there and drove into my normal little spot. You know, there's never anybody there. I mean, it's just, it's my place, right? Right. That's why you like it. Love it. So I'm walking, you know, I'm getting all my stuff together. I've got earbuds, you know, and I've got new earbuds because I lost my old earbuds. And now these really block out the noise. That's important. Really blocks out the noise around me. So I'm walking along and I'm, you know, staring at my feet. I'm thinking about stuff. I'm not looking ahead. I'm looking to the side. I'm just lost in my own little world. You know, I'm listening to Anna Karenina on Audible. See where this is going slowly. Yeah, so I'm wandering, <laughs> just listening to this book, and I'm really lost in the book because it's all kinds of Russian names, and every every person in the book has like five names, and they're all long, and they don't always use the same names for the anybody who's read the book knows what I'm talking about. It's insane trying to keep up with who's the addressing who. So I'm really focused, you know, on what's happening, and not not a whole lot's happening. And anyway, listening, listening, listening. And then I have this sense that something around me needs my attention. So it's like a sixth sense, like a superhero power, except mine always comes way, way, way late. Yeah, if only it could save yeah, you. If only it could <laughs> alert me way ahead of time. I look up, and I don't know how to explain it on the radio. There was a running event, it turns out, at this place where I'm walking. <laughs> And I am heading towards an entire stream of runners, this little narrow path that I'm on. I look up and they are 10 feet away. Their mouths are all open because they're yelling at me to get out of the path. But I can't hear anything because of my earbuds. So yes, fight or flight. I didn't process that as, oh, runners from a school. They're not here to hurt me. This is a stampede. Thankfully, I am so pleased that at least I didn't turn and run. Because my first (laughs) thought was, get out of here fast. Yes. Actually, what I did was, after that urge passed, I mean, it happened so fast, I froze. Instantly froze, (laughs) all splayed out in the path. You know, my arms are out to my side. Because I'm ready to defend myself. I didn't expect runners. They were right there. And now this whole stream of humanity... Young humanity, you know, high school students just trying to run for cross country or whatever in a race are trying to get around me. I'm blocking the path. My gosh. It was so horrible. Parents are up on the hill. I'm assuming everybody's screaming. All I hear is Anna Karenina going on and on (laughs) in my head. 
Do you know what it felt like to walk? I mean, what do you do at the, when the mass of humanity passed? I kept walking, and then I got to walk past the parents. Oh my god! So I turned. So anyway, whatever high school you were, the guy in the ridiculous you know yellow Repcolite shirt. I had one of those safety yellow T-shirts. Oh on, good, so it's yeah. Like neon. <laughs> that was me, and I apologize for wrecking somebody's Race. probably record score. Yeah. That was my fun moment of the week. You Being outside in the fall, in the right? middle of the path, yeah. yeah, it's a fun thing. It is, and that's really what our whole show is going to be about. To, yeah, to some actually, today. pretty it's, much it's outside fall stuff. We're going to be talking that's about true. fall painting. You know, it's a great time to finish up exterior projects. But there are a couple things you're going to want to know. We're going to hit that. We're also going to talk about grubs. You might be seeing grubs in your yard. Or Somebody not else seeing is. Them yeah. And now you need to. Yeah, you might need to see them. I found my grubs, and we're going to talk about what to do about that. I found my grubs. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, we're going to do something absolutely way off the reservation for us. Way off. The reservation. Right. We yeah. are going to talk about well, our art pry. Our art 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 it sounds like a seal, doesn't it? <laughs> it wasn't meant to. That if it was funny to you, that was an accident. But anyway. <laughs> Art prize. We're going to talk about that because that's another place, another way to get outside and enjoy this wonderful fall. Yeah. It's a yearly thing. This is its 10th year. Right. Yeah. This is like the that. 10th year. And Haley So that's a big was, deal. Yeah. It is a big deal. And I know, yes, the, for the people keeping score, Haley has not said a lot yet. Haley is going to dominate the next two Haley. two segments. So I'm just getting my, my yeah. pound of flesh right Sorry. now. But I got to set it up for you because you went to a presentation by right. an artist yep. for an art prize at Frederick Meyer Gardens mm-hmm. and Sculpture Park. And she talked about her entry into art prize. And you were talking to me about that. And we decided it would be interesting on the show to talk about just art prize in general. That's going on. We should right. get out there and see things. And I asked you, as an artist, you actually went to school for this. Yep. People can go to school for this. Who knew? People can go to school for this. <laughs> no, it's not very... Um, intellectual. Or no, that's profitable. the wrong word. Oh, profitable. Yeah, that makes yeah, more sense. I think profitable. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> but anyway. You want to get in debt real quick. Right. That's the way. So Haley's talking about that. And she's and I said, well, let's talk about Art Prize. But what if you would pick some of your favorite you know, entries? Yeah. And so she looks through it and she's, she's telling me about, well, there's, there's a number of really important pieces that people should see. And that's when I decided we needed to shift gears. I don't want to know your long list of things we need to see, Haley. And why? I want to know and, why yeah. is something important. Because I I like art, but I've right. not been trained in anything. And it is sometimes intimidating. I look at, you know, you hear people talk about all these famous artists and why these things are important. And, you know, I like it because I like it sometimes. And I don't really know why I like it. Art Prize has been... It's fun to me, right? but I would love to go and know a little bit more. I know you can't make us an expert right away, but I think you can help us appreciate what we're seeing a little bit. Right. Well, I think just slowing down is a big part of that. I've had a lot of coffee. It's very slowing down in a more general general path. Okay, so slowing down is where examining pieces. Right, and I think that goes for everyone, not just people that are maybe inexperienced in viewing art. Maybe it's not something that you do very often. It's important for those people, but it's also important for me as an artist. I'm probably more susceptible to looking at an art piece really quickly and walking away because I can make maybe a a faster judgment call because I have kind of these 
standards in my head already going into it so I can weed things out a little faster. Standards, are they prejudices? I mean, they're things you like, right? This is what I would you call like? them practices. Okay. Yeah. So it's a way of evaluating or a way of viewing. But I think slowing down is something that we all need to work on. And I take, you know, full responsibility for myself. I need to work on that because Who's gonna take responsibility for me and my problems? You, you gotta do that. <laughs> All right. All right. I think I can man up and do that. But I read something interesting. Um, I think this article came out a really long time ago, actually. But they found in a study that people, on average, the median time that people looked at a piece of art, even if it was a really great piece of art, like Mona Lisa. So famous, famous. 17 seconds was the median time. That's the average time that people look at something. I guess on the high end, it was 30 seconds. That's the high high end. end. Now, some of that does make sense if there's like a huge line at a museum. And I do think probably what plays into that is I travel to this place. Yeah. And I want to see as many of these things as possible in the two hours that I've got. Right. Because you're here. So you have to do it all. But you don't really get the time. You know, you mentioned this before we started recording. We were kind of talking about the ideas here. And that was so intriguing to me because, you know, and I don't know that this logically makes a lot of sense. But what I instantly thought about is uh, think about a job interview. Mm -hmm. Think about anything, you know, a problem that you have at home or anything that you look at. Imagine looking at that for 17 seconds. How much do you really know about that problem, that person that you're interviewing? 17 seconds doesn't give you hardly any time at all. And yet, that's what you're saying. On average, we're taking to evaluate these pieces of art. Exactly. And then we move on. So you're saying, actually, just take the time and literally slow down. So as people are wandering our prize, you're basically saying you might not see nearly as many things. Yeah, I think it's probably better to see fewer things and to gain a deeper understanding of the things that you do see because you've taken the time rather than seeing all of the things but not really gaining any sort of connection to what you saw. All right, so taking the time, that's the first thing. Yes. Now, you've got other things that are going to help all of us at least take take it up a notch and be able to appreciate what we see at Art Prize and art anywhere, right? Right, because I think, like you said, people are intimidated a little bit or feel like they're not the right type of person to go to Art Prize. They're not experienced. It's not part of their daily life. You know, as an artist, I feel really confident looking at art because I make it. I evaluate my own art. I evaluate my peers' art. But if that's not part of your daily routine, it's just like anything that's not a part of our daily routine can feel scary. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a break right now. And then we're going to get on the other side, these three items or three different ways of looking yes, at art. Exactly. Open it up for all of us, even if it's just a little bit. Yeah. Help us appreciate art a little bit more. We'll be right back in just a minute. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and we're talking with Haley about Art Prize. Haley's an artist, you've been trained as an artist, mm-hmm. and you're trying to help us take the time and appreciate the art that we see at Art Prize 
a little better because this year, well, all years we vote. Yes, and exactly. And our votes help determine the winner. So it's kind of nice to go in voting with a little bit of knowledge. Yeah. Our prize puts a pretty big price tag on your opinions during this because the person that gets awarded the most awards or the most votes, they get a pretty large sum of money at the end of this. So yeah. it's so nothing to... Help us figure out how to appreciate art a little better or what we even need to do. You know, what's the first thing we should look at? I mean, we talked about that already. Take time. Take time. But now, how are we evaluating these things? I think one of the first ways to evaluate or view a piece of art is, and this is probably the most intimidating. (laughs) Oh, good. Let's start with that. Yeah. Get out of the way. Intellectually, which really just starts with asking questions. And that requires some pause, like we talked about, Mm -hmm. not just standing there for 17 seconds and moving on, you need to spend a little bit of time to even formulate a question, right? what, What kind of questions am I asking? They could be really straightforward questions like, who is this made for? How did they make it? Why would someone make this? Okay, so I don't have to have these deep, you know, questions about the, the beginnings of the universe or whatever. I mean, we're not dealing. I mean, with... I like to ask those questions when okay, I look but at. But I art. can say easier, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, they don't have to be like earth-shattering questions. It's great if you can get there, or if a piece inspires that, and I think that's an easy way to tell whether it's a good or bad piece. But ultimately, starting the conversation just requires a really simple question in your mind, and then. Really, I think it's taking the time to find meaning based on that question. Okay, what do you mean by that? I think you're going to look for clues. Once you have a question in your mind, you're going to look for clues that the artist has presented you to figure out an answer to your question. And honestly, the answer could be more questions, and that's fine. So that's part of the pro- It's all a part of, basically, it's like an onion. Yes. And there's all these layers to exactly. work through. And if you don't take the time at the beginning, you're never going to get there. Right. So, And I think it's important to point out, too, in this asking questions, even if you look at a piece of art and decide right away, make a snap judgment, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Which it's well, a lot of us do. Right. I do that. I mean, we're all guilty of doing that because it's easy. You know, we can see something and say if we like it or don't like it, but why we like it or don't like it is harder to get to. So if you look at something and don't like it, that's okay. But ask the question, why don't I like that? Because whatever is making you uncomfortable looking at that might be part of the value of that piece of art. I have had times where something that I really didn't like at first, I think largely of music, but it fits. The more I've come back to it, I found, wow, that's actually got staying power and I work my way through. But if I just ignored it right off the bat, I never get to that point. Exactly. So that's the first thing. What's the next way? The other way is a little bit easier because we're really just being totally subjective at this point. It's basing it on feeling. It's really emotional. So sometimes art seems extremely straightforward. We can tell exactly right away what we think the artist's intention was. And maybe it just looks beautiful to us Mm -hmm. or we have an intuitive. I just like it. We're not sure why, but it draws us in. Right. And I think that can happen to varying degrees. And so you can start to evaluate the art based on how well it suspends disbelief. How well it suspends disbelief. What in the world do you mean by that? Poetic faith. Oh, that makes it clear. Poetic faith. (laughs) Now I get it. Thank you. It happens all the time when we watch TV or read books, but how well the artist um, creates a world that we can believe in. I get it with TV. That makes sense with the artist thing. Now, they're creating a world I can believe in and be immersed in. Even if it's impossible for that 
physically to exist, we can kind of surrender or feel its presence. So some of us can evaluate art on an intellectual basis where yeah. we're asking these questions. You're saying this is another way. And it's not a next step. It's another way to look at right. it. I'm just drawn to it because it sparks something, a memory or an mm -hmm. emotion or whatever. And I could go and dig into that and explore where that's going. That's very, very easy to do. Yeah. Is how well it draws you in, I guess. How strong that emotional connection is or reaction is, is how you can kind of scale where that art lies on, right. I don't know, the spectrum. So there's a couple of ways. Is there a third one? There's a third way, and this is more of a formal way. All right. So it's evaluating art based on all of the physical things that are in front of you. So how the art was made, considering the craftsmanship, design, and arrangement of the artwork. And so this is... So I'm not looking at necessarily the content. Right. Not looking at content. How it was done, perhaps. Yeah. So you can look for things like the lines, shapes, and start describing those things in your mind as you're looking for the type of line used. You know, it could be graceful, choppy, dotted. If we're looking for a shape, they could be organic shapes. Um, also looking at colors, whether they're warm colors, strong colors, vibrant. Uh, texture is important too, and how much space is created. So is there depth doing? and dimension? What am I doing with that information? So I see all of that. They used mm -hmm. a whole bunch of circles and a bunch of little things that look like bugs or something. <laughs> yeah. What do I do with that? I mean, how do I know that that's good or bad? The elements that we're looking at, if they're used really well together, they can create focal points, they can create harmony, movement, or patterns that we see. And so whether we think those elements are working together and actually doing one of those things is a way to evaluate a piece of art. What, what we're saying is I may not be correct mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of how art critics would look at this. ultimately it's all subjective. It, there's we go. There's, there's we go. English was my thing. You can tell. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. So yeah. it is subjective. I right. don't have to worry about being right or wrong. No. This it's is just, just giving us a starting point to help us... Start the conversation. <laughs> I gotcha. So we've got all of these three different ways. There's a, a bunch of different ways, I'm sure, to evaluate. But yeah. that's what we're, we've got time for now. And I can use them in looking at any type of art, right? I can apply right. them to anything. And I think intuitively there are types of art that are going to invite certain ways of looking at it. So if it's hyper-realist, you're probably just going to be drawn in immediately. And so maybe you're looking at it from more of that emotional standpoint or it has that suspension of disbelief that's really powerful. If it's conceptual, you're probably looking at it from an intellectual standpoint, and that's kind of how you need to look at it, right? It's asking questions at that point. But really the most important part of any of this is just being curious and open and slowing down to take the time and really have a connection to the things that you're seeing rather than trying to just get it all in. Right. So, Art Prize. Get out there and enjoy it. Now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about my grub problem. <laughs> That's all just ahead. Stick around. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. Well, Haley, I have a grub problem. Sounds like a Sounds meeting of like, some sort, doesn't it? Yeah. My name is Dan. I've got a grub problem. <laughs> Hi, Dan. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed, but I am grossed out and freaked out. It's so gross. It is gross. I really don't 
like grubs. No, no, I don't like. I don't know that many people do. I don't think there are many that do. In fact, I would, I would hazard to guess there's, yeah, almost none that just love them. Yeah, maybe, maybe people like to eat them. I know on Survivor they like them because they use them for. I can't even watch those episodes where they have the eating challenge and you have to eat a big juicy grub. Oh my god. Yeah. It's like crawling around trying to get out of their mouth while they're eating oh, it. Oh, you didn't have to take us there. It's early on I know. a Saturday. I, people are eating breakfast. No, not anymore. They just pushed <laughs> that bowl away. Anyway, I've got a grub problem. I discovered it when I was mowing the yard. I had some dead patches of grass. I assumed it was the sprinklers weren't working in those areas or whatever, you know, just normal drought stress. And when I was mowing, I would pivot that lawnmower and it would kick up pieces of grass. I dug into it later. Turned out it's grubs. I've panicked, Googled, trying to figure out what to do because I want to preserve my yard. I love my yard. The previous owner made a wonderful yard for me to enjoy. Yeah. It was like one of the big reasons that you got your house even. It was probably the main reason. Yeah. It was a great yard. Was. Is. A great yard. Was. I (laughs) know. I don't want to be the guy that wrecked it. So anyway, I'm digging into it and I find out it's a common problem. So I thought as bad and sad as it is to me. Because it really was two days of feeling pretty down about how do I fix this? Right. Uh, I thought at least we can turn it into some radio content and help people out there because it is common and it does commonly present itself right now. So if you are looking out at your yard and you're starting to see maybe some dead areas, you know, kind of irregular patches of dead grass or all kinds of different things going on. Well, even animals, right? Well, And that's the thing. There, there are a couple of things that you know, really could tip you off that this is grubs. And let's just get into that. And then we'll talk about what we need to do, all of us together, so we can eradicate (laughs) our grub problem as a community. But first signs, like like we were mentioning, you're going to look out your window and you'll probably see as we're heading through September, maybe dead patches, irregular dead patches. It could be a lawn disease. Yeah. Could be anything. Seems kind of normal. Could be grubs. Another thing that you'll see are... The squirrels digging. Well, I I don't know what the squirrels do. I I guess they wouldn't eat them, but... It would look like it a looks like an animal dug right? up to well, bury a nut. Right. Well, you mentioned squirrels, raccoons, and skunks. Well, actually, eat for them. sure, will come and eat them. Yeah. And that's the last thing I need on my yard. I've already had raccoons once. <laughs> I'm sure they're back all the time, but I don't want them regularly coming to the yard to feast. So you'll see all these torn up pieces of yard, which I have noticed as well. And you tipped it uh, the squirrels. I thought it was just the squirrels messing around on the yeah, yard. Yeah, I mean, it's that time of year. They're going to bury their nuts in the yard, and mm-hmm. it's just what happens. So maybe that's what I've got going on, but... I did have all these patches where some critter is messing around, and I had these dead patches. And then when I pivoted the lawnmower, it pulled up some grass, yep. and that was the major tip-off. So if you see animal activity in the yard, signs of animal activity, if you see dead patches, there's a surefire way. You don't have to get the mower out to do this. Yeah. You just get on the yard, grab the grass, like like you're trying to pull somebody's hair. Not yeah. that we'd recommend that yeah. or encourage that. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that. I'm just assuming that's what it's like. Grab the hair or the grass <laughs> as close to the roots as possible, awesome. and you give a good tug. Like you're pulling a toupee or something. Well, and you did. You pulled the Mine, toupee right off. I did. It pulled right up, and that's that's the tip-off. There's grubs. Because then right after that, you see the grubs sitting there, and I did. 
if they're really bad, they can actually chew away those roots and you can roll your grass, sections of it, almost up like loose carpet. It's really disconcerting. Yeah. And, you know, the idea is... Kind of fun, though. I mean, I like the idea of just being able to roll grass It's not fun at all because grass is not supposed to be rolled (laughs) up, Haley. Not if you want it to stay looking great. And if you do that... Now, there are a lot of... You know, grubs on the yard. We're going to have them all the time sure. anyway, to some extent. Yeah. If you've got a handful of them in like a square foot, it's probably not a big deal. What I was reading was anywhere from 10 mm-hmm. to tw- and another website said if you've got 20 in a square foot, they can cause some problems. Well, I was pulling up about a square foot of grass easily. Right. And I saw about 12 of them. And I would say 20, I would have sheer devastation. 12 of them in a square foot was doing a lot of damage as it was. So that's the first step is you've got to figure out if whatever you've got going on on your yard is grubs. I have determined I have grubs. Yes, you've seen the grubs. I have seen them. I have even handled them. Yeah, I did not eat them, though. I did not even consider eating them. But you have to understand the grub to really get rid of the grub. Right, right. (laughs) So you've really got to dig into that. So there are a couple of different ways you can get rid of them or deal with them. Right. But like Haley's saying, the first step is to understand the whole process. So let's talk about the life cycle yeah, of the of grub. grub. And if we had somebody who could cue music, they'd, they'd cue some sort of what dramatic music as we talk about these little baby grubs and how they. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, That's we don't. sweet. We little don't, baby grubs. We don't have that. So <laughs> the life cycle of a grub, what they are is they're the larvae of various types of beetles. All right. Now, early spring, the mature grubs will awaken from hibernation and mm-hmm. they've worked their way deeper down into your soil and they've wintered there and they'll work, wake up, yawn, and then they'll <laughs> crawl to the surface and we'll start to see them in early spring. In late spring, early summer, they emerge from our yards as beetles. Yay! Yay. And we'll have beetles to deal with. You know, Japanese beetles, other right. kinds of beetles that will come out. In summer, later summer, the beetles burrow into the yard again, and they lay the eggs that will be the next batch of grubs that we'll deal with in next September. It's kind of interesting, though, to think about a grub turning into a beetle. It's like a a gross version of a butterfly. It is a gross. It's like an evil butterfly. Yeah. (laughs) They're creepy to look at as caterpillars. Yeah. And then they're beetles when they come out. Yeah. So, yes, an evil butterfly. Right. Anyway, that's how it works. So, with that in mind... There are these two general approaches that you can take, a curative approach and a preventative approach, all right? At this point in the game, September, for me, if I'm going to do anything on the yard right now, the only option I've got is curative, which means I'd be applying an insecticide to specifically kill the grubs at this stage in their lives. Right. Because right now they're grubs. Right now they're grubs. I've got to hit them right now and kill them. Now... That sounds great. And that was, you know, my first thought was, okay, let's get something, spray it on, whatever I got to do, sprinkle it on, and I'll kill the grubs. But it's well, not actually that it's, effective. Right. That's the thing. It's not as straightforward as it might seem. Yeah. Treating them in the late summer, early fall is problematic. They're full grown. They're harder to kill. And the best treatments will kill on average maybe 50 to 60%. In fact, a lot of the bags, a lot of yeah. the, the chemicals that you can use will say that it will treat anywhere from 20% to 80%. Which is just wild. What a ridiculous like, range to Either it's me. not going to work at all or it will work. <laughs> yeah, we really don't know what you're going to get with this. And that seems to be the general consensus. On top of that, these insecticides that you can use right now, the curative measures, right. uh, they can actually target and kill other organisms that are beneficial in your yard. Yeah. 
It's so a... a little problematic. But if you decide to go that route, an insecticide with triclorphan as an active ingredient is typically what's used. So one that is common that you can find is BioAdvanced Grub Killer Plus. You know, that's a great example of it. It's basically a quick kill product, and there's very little residual. So it's going to kill the grubs that you've got right now, hopefully, 20 to 80% of them. Yeah. And we'll that's see. it. Fingers You're crossed. <laughs> still going to need to apply a preventative measure or treatment in the spring. So after early October, if you catch it a little bit later, usually... You're out of luck. You're kind of out of luck. You Normally, just have to wait for the other part of the life cycle. Right. These methods aren't usually effective at that point, and they're not recommended. If you do decide to go this route and use a curative insecticide, make sure you read the instructions on the specific one that you get and follow them. They need to be watered in to be effective and to minimize health sense. risks. Yeah. There's a lot of different things to consider. So if you go that route... Read about it, ask about it before you do anything. Now, with all that said, it might just be better to wait until next spring or early summer, you know, June, July, something like that, and you can use a preventative treatment. Now, remembering that life cycle that we talked about earlier, the beetles will lay eggs in the summer that will become new grubs in the fall. So if you can catch them while they're just little grubs starting out, yeah. you can kill them before their problems in the late summer or early fall, like I'm seeing right now. Right. Now, this is not, if you do this preventative measure, you're going to have grubs in the spring. I'm going to have grubs in the spring. When I put this preventative treatment down, I'm not dealing with those grubs. Those are going to become beetles and lay eggs and do all their thing. I'm going to have to just deal with that. You're just waiting for the beetles to come the back and lay those lay eggs so that you can kill them. <laughs> barren and empty. Right, right. Yes, exactly. We're going to kill them because if I treat it in June, July, something like that, you know, using something like GrubX or, you know, other products like that, I can really reduce the population by 75 to 100 percent, depending um, Which are way better odds than better. 20 to 80%. Way better. <laughs> 75% I can live with. Yeah. You know? So the bottom line of this whole thing, if you're looking at a grub problem right now, I know it's not fun. I know, you know, it feels like a bit of a panic-inducing situation. But overall, if the damage to the yard isn't too severe, right. it's going to be more effective to wait until next spring, early next summer, hit it with a preventative treatment, probably follow it up with a couple years' worth. You, now you just have to remember to actually do it in the spring. Do it. Yes, I need to. I'm going to put a little note reminder. Yeah. You put should on put the one calendar. on your calendar, too. Yes. And then you can remind me okay. as well. Deal. Yeah. And maybe help any other listeners, too. If they want to email Haley, she'll remind you <laughs> when to put the preventative grub treatment on your yard. Grubs, they're not fun, but they can be dealt with. Don't panic. Enjoy fall for the other things that it brings, right? Yeah. Like great painting weather. And that's what we're going to talk about next. If you're going to be painting outside in the fall, you can get some great projects done in wonderful temperatures. But there are a couple things you want to know. Definitely. We'll get you all that info in just a minute. Stick around. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. Well, Haley, it's fall, my favorite season. It's Except the for the best grubs. Se- well, <laughs> we just talked about the grubs in the last segment, and they're a treat that the fall brings us. Apparently, I mean, but really, they're in every season. That's right. It's just we don't see them. We don't until really get to fall. encounter them till yeah. falls. Maybe a little bit in the spring. Fall is still the best, though. It is still the best. The weather starts to get really nice. We've mm-hmm. had some great temperatures. It gets really pretty. It gets really pretty. Something just fell off of my head. Did you see that? Nope. Nope. I wonder if that's... It's not a grub. 
<laughs> I hope it wasn't a creature of any kind. I'm assuming it's just fluff. Maybe my hair is falling out. Who knows? I'm getting Are older. Are you that stressed? I am stressed. <laughs> I'm that stressed about the grubs. Now, anyway, we got to move on from the grubs. I got to let the grubs go. Yeah, let them go. Let's talk about fall painting because we're seeing that in the stores. It's a huge push right now. To oh, get yeah. Exterior projects wrapped up, and fall is a great time to get these exterior projects done. It's because, kind of underrated. Yeah, the weather is so great. Yeah. It's so much more fun painting in 70 degree weather than 90 degree weather. Yeah. And it's better for so many reasons. You know, it's better for the products. It's better for mm-hmm. us working outside, all of those things. But as fall goes by, there are going to be questions. We're going to get them in the stores. We're already probably starting to get them. And uh, it's the question about when is it too cold to get out there and start painting? Because right. as the fall, season goes. I mean, it fluctuates pretty dramatically as far as temperature in fall. I mean, right now we're seeing 80 degree weather. So it's like it's summer still, but eventually it's going to drop pretty dramatically. And at that point, you really do have to be careful because there are things that can go really wrong if you do paint when it's too cold or when there's too much moisture. And that's the other part of fall. Right. We start getting really heavy dew. Right. So you could have color uniformity issues if you're in too cold of a weather and you're painting, peeling issues. The latex paint could have a hard time forming a paint film. And then when you bring moisture into it, like you you said, bubbling, bubbling, surfactant leaching. really fun, water spotting, (laughs) all kinds of different things. But that doesn't mean don't paint in the fall. It just means you need to understand a few things exactly, so you can get great results. So that's what we're going to help you with, avoiding those pitfalls. And the two main considerations, you already gave them, they're temperature and moisture. Yep, exactly. And moisture in the form of rain or dew. Right. Yeah, we're not just talking about, okay, it rained yesterday, I have to wait for it to dry. If it has a heavy dew in the morning, that's a huge consideration now because you have to let that dry out or else you're going to have the same issues as you would with rain. Right. Now, we're going to get into that. But before we go too much further... I just want to say, as we do with most of these projects, we encourage you to always stop by and talk to any Repcolite or Port City Paints expert before you jump in. Definitely. Stop out at the store, give us a call. They'll walk you through the project. You know, your project could have specifics different from what we're going to cover. Your house is like a snowflake. Each is unique. Each one's unique. <laughs> right. You should always talk through the project with somebody yeah. you can talk to on the phone or face-to-face, and they'll get you everything you need. So any Repcolite or Port City Paints, you can go online, repcolite.com, find the location nearest you. You can chat with us online. Whatever you do, make sure that you're doing that before you jump into a project, based on what Haley and I say on the radio. Exactly. Because we're kind of taking a bird's-eye view of some of these things, Right. Right. I mean, we can't get in every single little minutiae, or else you guys wouldn't listen to us. Right. we got (laughs) to fill the time with the insane stuff that comes out of my mouth. And that means we got to cut the content in some areas. Get the content from the stores. Anyway, painting in the fall. Some things you need to know in an ideal world. We always want to be painting in the mid-70s with low humidity. But we don't really live in an ideal world, especially here in the Midwest. Right. (laughs) Maybe if we were in California, this would be perfect. You know, no rain, 70-degree weather during the fall. It's perfect. Right. So we're not going to get that. But what a lot of people don't realize is that there are low-temp paints available. And, in fact, almost every exterior product that we've got at Repcolite or Port City Paints is going to be something that functions in low temperatures. It'll allow you to paint when the temps drop dramatically. Repcolite's Endura, Benjamin Moore's Regal Select, Aura Exterior, all of those products will work outside in low temperatures. However, yeah, there's it's a however. <laughs> very important to talk about that 
it's very important to mention when we talk about these low temp paints, it's not just the air temperature yes, that we're talking about. Yes, the surface temperature. It's the same thing when we talk about surface temperature and air temperature during the summer. You know, your house is a dark color. It's absorbing more heat than the air around you. So it really depends on the surface temperature. That's where the paint's being applied. Right. And to simplify this whole thing, think of it this way. Even with low temp paints, no matter what it says on the can, right? because they may say lower temperatures right on the can, but exactly. to make it simple, just run with this. The surface temp and the air temp must be at least 40 degrees or higher for at least 24 hours after you paint. Yep. Right? If you no matter operate, what it says on the can, just go with that this because is, it's really the sweet spot. It's the butter zone. Yeah. Right? It's perfect. You'll get great results that way. So that's the temperature side of things. Now let's talk about the other main consideration when painting in the fall, and it's moisture. moisture. And yeah. as with all painting, you know, any painting at all, the surface needs to be dry, right? Yeah, and it really depends on the substrate, too. If it's really porous, it's going to absorb more of that, and it's going to take a lot longer to dry out. Right. So if we've had some rain... Just because it's had a day or two of really dry weather in the fall, it might not be as dry as you need it to be. So double check that. That's just the first part of it. Right. Right. All of that. Keep that in mind. The surface has to be dry. Also, after the paint's been applied, that surface needs to remain dry, ideally for at least 24 hours before you get rain or, again, heavy dew. Both of those could lead to bubbling in the paint film, surfactant leaching, all those negative things we talked about earlier. But there's kind of a good rule of thumb here. Again... You know, if you hit that 40 degree for 24 hours, that's great. Now, if you can start your painting at 11 a.m. and finish by 4 p.m., that also gives you enough kind of buffer in the morning for things to dry out, and it gives you a buffer before it gets wet again. Right, and it also gives time for the surface to heat up a little bit. Yes, exactly. So that window, 11 to 4, that's a great window to work with. And also make sure you're planning ahead. Look at the weather and hold off on your project if rain or heavy dew are in the immediate forecast. Keep that all in mind. One last quick thought for painting outside is that usually paint is going to take on the temperature in the area in which it's stored, right? So if you're working in the fall and you've got your paint and you unload it from your car and put it in the garage and leave it overnight, that's not the smartest thing to do because it can get colder overnight. Mm -hmm. That paint will thicken up and it's just harder to work with the next day. Take it inside. Keep it in room temperature. Yeah, it's actually a really good tip that I don't know many people think about. It's storing paint is a super important part of the painting process. <laughs> yeah, so definitely keep that in mind when you're working. You can get a lot of great projects accomplished in the fall. It's perfect weather for it. Watch out for temperatures. Yes. Watch out for moisture. All of those things. Make you sure you're it. checking with any Repcolite or Port City Paint Store. We'll walk you through all the ins and outs of your project and make sure you get great results. All right, that's it. We're going to wrap it up. If you want to catch this one again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. And Haley, we should mention and talk about the Instagram contest that is currently ongoing. Yeah, because fall is a perfect time for bonfires. Right. If nothing else, it is the perfect time for fires. So we have a contest right now where you can win a solo stove bonfire fire pit. Those are really cool. They're smokeless. So you don't enter the house smelling of smoke and it's not going in your eyes the whole time and chasing you around the pit. They're really cool. They're expensive. So it's a cool thing to win. And you can do that by following us on Instagram, posting a picture, and tagging your store. We've got a list of those tags in the show notes. You can check them out. Otherwise, just head to your location, your Repcolite or your Port City Paints. Ask them about the contest. They'll give you a flyer with everything you need to know. It's definitely worth entering. We're going to take every single post that gets tagged 
and an draw entry. one random winner, and that person's going to win a solo stove on October 4. Exactly. All right. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. The Repcolite and Port City paint stores are open until 3, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening.